0: know it's just not mere words but it is actually a a understanding that God is with us amen he is that friend that's ticket closer than a brother and uh, I can say that no matter what I face in life I know God is there with me right hallelujah amen and uh, praise God. I'm glad we can feel God on a Wednesday just like we can Amen. on a Sunday, right? Amen. That's one thing you can preach about. He's not, he's not on a time schedule. Amen. He can show up anytime. Amen. It's your personal prayer time, your personal time of devotion. Amen. Church. I'm glad. I'm glad I have him because in the world we live in today, we have no hope in this world, Amen. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Praise God, Amen. Genesis, the 16th chapter, if you will, this evening, Amen. And uh, we are uh, going to take a an adventure. Uh, I think they're still going to do some elements, but that's not my uh, cup of tea. So I'm going to be talking about some characters in the Bible. Amen. I I like characters in the Bible. They speak a lot to us, and they they can help us along the way as we read the Word of God. And a lot of the stuff you see in the Bible is applicable to your walk with God. And the Word of God can always, as you read it, you see the pitfalls along the way and say, "Ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to find myself there, praise God, but we know God is able. So Genesis, the 16th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 6. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. Everybody say, no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram, and dwelt ten years, ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went into Hagar. She conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarai said to Abram, Now Now remember that right there. Her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarai said to Abram, My My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, my Thy maid is in thine hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee, and when Sarah had dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Genesis 21, 1 and 2, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of of which God had spoken to him. Move on down to verse 8 through 12. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abram made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Everybody say mocking. Wherefore she said to Abram, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Notice that. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said to Abram, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah had said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for Isaac shall thy seed be called. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask God to touch our hearts for the next few moments. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your presence that's in this place tonight and the opportunity that we have to rejoice and bask in that presence. Now for the next little while, I pray, God, that your word would be opened up to our understanding and that we could glean from it and that we could understand what you desire to do for us and to do in our lives. So bless us, God, tonight. I pray with your word in Jesus' name, and let everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad to see you here tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we got the fourth out of the way. Amen. Did everybody enjoy your fourth? Praise God. Well, if you're like our neighborhood, I think it was the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. Fireworks just kind of kept on booming all over the neighborhood for about three or four days, and uh, uh, and so uh, I used to I used to love to watch that kind of stuff. I don't really don't you know I don't really pay much attention to it anymore. It's pretty, but. Uh, it's not something that I want to fight the crowds for, to go to a park and, and watch it. So in two different instances in our, in, in, in our uh, text tonight, there was uh, a wife that battled with the problems caused by her handmaid. Now, the first time the woman was named Sarai, when her husband was named Abram, The second, she was changed, her name was changed, she was named Sarah when her husband was named Abraham. But in both states of this couple's existence, before and after a change in their lives, the wife battled the same general problem. How I many there ever felt like you've been there? So the problem that she had only progressed into an issue with the respect, respect of children the second time. When you look at Genesis 17, in this chapter in which Abram and Sarai are changed to Abraham and Sarah. And it's at that, mo- at that moment, at that time, when circumcision occurred. You had Hagar's son that was born, but Isaac had not yet been born. And then we read where Sarah conceived at this time when circumcision occurred. So when their names were changed, Sarah conceived and circumcision occurred for the first time in the family. A demarcation occurred. But after the circumcision, it was not only a problem with the respective mothers, but the next time a crisis occurred was when Isaac was circumcised and then weaned that the children entered into a battle, Ishmael and Isaac. And it was both of these cases where Sarah and Isaac did not start any trouble or any problems you see, it was the mother, Hagar, that started the trouble with her counterpart in chapter 16 of Genesis. And the mother's child, Ishmael, started the trouble with his counterpart, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 21. But it was in both cases the wife of, of the father, of the faithful, Abraham dealt harshly with the woman, and God confirmed the need afterwards. So let me read Genesis 16 and verse 6. Notice what it says. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, thy maid is, is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled. Hagar fled from her face. And then you go on down to verse 9. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to thy mistress. So the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar... And says, return unto thy mistress and submit. Everybody say, submit. Amen. Now, some of these things I'm 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 kind of <laughs> emphasizing them because it's it's we got it's going to come out in what we're talking about. And so the angel says, Submit thyselves under her hand. Genesis 21, verse 10 and 12, then 10 to 12. Notice. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And of course, Ishmael was Abraham's son. And... It was grievous, in verse 11, in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said to Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for Isaac shall. Everybody say, "Isaac Isaac shall. Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, let's look at the story. Because the story teaches us a spiritual lesson. A spiritual lesson. Amen. The story teaches us a spiritual lesson, as I believe do all, when you go into the Old Testament, all the Old Testament stories are very profitable to us. Amen. As we read through them and we study them, uh, it's very profitable to us. So, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 10, verse 11, notice what he says. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, or an example, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So just as Abraham had a wife and her handmaid in his life, and he had a household. And we all have people in our lives. We have a household, family, so on and so forth. But each of us have two elements. Two elements. Everybody say two elements. One must be over the other, and the other has to be subjugated to the first. And finally, it has to be completely cast out. You'll know where I'm getting to in a minute. In this story, Hagar was told to return and submit and then later was told to leave along with her son before before. She had a child she had to submit. Turn your neighbor and say, submit. But then in the course of this story, what we read, after, after the child was born and over 13 years later, the scripture comes to pass and says that Ishmael was mocking the child of promise, Isaac. And that's where she had to leave with her son. Because Sarah wasn't gonna put up with that. Amen. And so the leaving occurred due to the issue of inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Amen. Each of us, you and I, we're on a journey. We are on a journey to our inheritance. Amen. I, I know we, we have an eternal inheritance. And I, you know, one of these days the trump of God's gonna sound. We're gonna vacate the premises of this earth. And we're going to go and rise together, amen, and be with the Lord for all of eternity, right? If you believe that, clap your hands and praise Him right now. But I also want to speak tonight about the inheritance in this life. Amen. So Sarai, who became Sarah, represents, if I might say, the believer's spirit. All right? Amen. Hagar represents the servant of the Spirit, which is, in our terminology, would be uh, uh, the human soul, the human soul. And so, let's look at the Spirit. Paul writes in Philippians, the third chapter, verse 3, amen, for we are, we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Hey, folks, how many will admit tonight that your flesh will fail you every time? Amen. <laughs> amen. The Spirit is willing, but that flesh is weak. Amen. You're going to fight that flesh. Right? We all do. We all fight that flesh. Amen. So Paul says, amen, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence of flesh. Over Mark 2.8 and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? In Acts, I got a lot of scriptures tonight, so just kind of bear with me. In Acts, so, and I didn't get the scriptures. It's not their fault up there if they're trying to get something on the screen. I, I, just, I just didn't think about it, and God help them. Acts 6.10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Chapter 18 and verse 5 And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Amen. So we see the spirit. Amen. Look at the soul. What is the soul? Well, the soul can be looked at as our emotion. First Samuel 30 and 6 says, The soul of all the people was grieved. We see it as the will. Set your heart. 1 Chronicles twenty two nineteen. 19. Set your heart, your soul, to seek the Lord your God. Set it. Set it. You know, there's a purpose there. It's intentional. Everybody say intentional. I like that word. It's intentional. You have to be intentional about living for God. It just won't happen. So you have your emotion, you have your will, and you have your intellect. Proverbs nineteen two says, that the soul be without knowledge. It is not good. So sometimes I can say this, if we struggle in the flesh, if I can put it this way, if we struggle in the flesh, Could it be because we lack the knowledge? In other words, if we struggle in the flesh, maybe it's because the very thing that would help us along the way is the Word of God. That's the knowledge. That's what helps us in our journey to our inheritance. Yes, that inheritance... But also, what about what God wants to give us down here? Your soul, emotion, will, intellect. And so as Hagar was told by the angel, go back and submit to Sarah. Also, our soul must submit. Once again, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh has to be brought under subjection to the spirit. Our flesh has to be brought under. Your flesh cannot reign and rule in your life and be and you be spiritual. No. It's the spirit that must rule. The things of God. So Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because, why? Because he trusteth in thee. So, let me compare Sarah with our spirit, and compare Hagar with our soul, if I might tonight. Is that okay? Paul writes in Galatians 4, it says, there is another, uh, another analogy here that you can get, where Sarah is... Maybe we can look at it as Sarah being the new covenant and Hagar the old. So our spiritual inheritance comes after spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. You understand that kids are vulnerable. They're vulnerable because they haven't matured enough yet to fend for themselves. So, We have to look after them. Paul writes in Galatians 4, 1 and 2, he says, Now that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Verse 2 says, But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. In other words, if I can put it this way, there is an educational process. Amen. looks Saints of God, if you've been around here a long time, amen, and you say, well, what do I have to give? Well, there's a lot of younger people in the Lord that could use a good tutor. They could use a good mentor in their life. They could use somebody in their life that when they look across the aisle at her, they, they see, uh, uh, you know, that's been faithful to God for all these years. Uh, amen. It's one thing about seeing them and saying, you know, that man, they've been around a long time. It's a whole nother thing with that person, that elder, that, that, that seasoned saint of God being able to impart something into the younger generation about why they've stayed that long. Why they had the stamina. Why they had the strength. Why, why is that? Amen. And so, let me read that again. Galatians 4, 1 and 2. Now I say that the heir... As long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Why? Because he is under tutors and governors. People that are looking after him. People that are educating him. People that are giving him knowledge. Letting him understand the way. Amen, right? until the time appointed of the Father. So Galatians, now let's go on down to verse 4 and verse 5. Paul writes, but when the fullness of of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So look at it this way. An heir, everybody say an heir. An heir. An heir does not have an inheritance until he has passed childhood and has kind of graduated to a higher level. In our world, we would look at that, let's say something, God forbid, would happen to parents, which has happened, and they've got young children. Usually, that inheritance is put in trust. Why? Why? They don't know what to do with it. Have you had young children? Have you had young teenagers? Man. They would have nothing left. An inheritance that could have lasted them a lifetime would be gone in a matter of a few months or maybe a few years. But at the most, they haven't learned. They don't have the knowledge of understanding what that inheritance meant. Right? Right? I think that sometimes we have that maybe in our walk with God. That's why it's important. Knowledge is important because we need to learn because we may not totally understand what we have. Have you ever heard of somebody? I don't understand it, but I want it. I got baptized for the, because that's, what I, that's why you, you, you give them knowledge. So as they grow, they understand what this is all about. So your soul starts having problems when? As soon as it is conceived. Amen. Genesis 16, 4, notice, and he went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So conception means the soul is ready to produce. How many have ever said, man, I didn't have this battle until I got the Holy Ghost? Man, I didn't have these fights until I started going to church. Man, I, I just, I, I, man, I never, I never had these issues until I got baptized and was filled with the Spirit of God. How many many's ever heard somebody say that? Or you might have said it yourself. <laughs> oh, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So so we understand conception means the soul is ready to produce. And the things that the soul, the things that the soul produces are the works of the flesh. How many knows that your flesh is your enemy? Come on now, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So notice in, in in this story, in this in, 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 in the scripture here, we notice that Sarai was barren before, during, and after Hagar had conceived. This is where the issues begin. This is where it began. Amen. And so this represents the human spirit. Everybody do this to yourself and say, the human spirit. The human spirit, which is dead, and must it must experience a new birth. Why do you need a new birth? You need a new birth so that it can bear and produce children. But when that begins to happen, there's going to be conflict. Now, let's look at John 3. Notice what Jesus says here in John 3, verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, read it with me, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say. When he says verily, that's one thing. When he says verily, verily, you better perk your ears up and notice what he's getting ready to say. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, let's say it aloud together, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Verse 6, he says, that which is born of the flesh is? And that which is born of the spirit is? Right. So the human spirit is what is born of God's spirit. This is what we call the new birth. The new birth. You want to overcome. You want to have the hope. You want to have what God has for you. You want that inheritance that's coming. You, you have to be born again of water and of spirit. Amen. You know, because if you're not reborn, you're dead. Paul writes in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. Notice what he says. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. <laughs> now y'all, how many's read the story? Have you read the story? You've read the story. You know, you see the angels and the Lord come by and, and talking to Abraham and he said, how can this be? How can I not tell Abraham what I'm about to do? Because Lot was off. In Sodom and Gomorrah. How could I do this? And so finally he begins to talk with him and da-da-da, you know the story. So he tells Abraham, this time next year you're going to have a kid. And, they, and Sarah, remember, she's in the tent. <laughs> like, How can I do this? Could you imagine having a kid at 99? ladies, Men, could you imagine that a hundred having to go in and take your turn in the nursery? So to them, it was like, this ain't happening. Her womb is dead. It's not going to give life. It never has. It never will. We're beyond that stuff. So when we are born again, when we are born again, everybody say born again. You see where Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah. And now, because of the name change or whatever, their names are changed. Now they bear children. Because a year later at this time bambino. So when we are born again, there it is, in the same year, let me, let me just say, in the same year that Abraham's name was changed, everybody say same year, same year. this is important, I want you to kind of, just kind of gather all this information in right now, in the same year that Abraham's name was changed, circumcision occurred for the first time, and Sarai's name was changed too, and she conceived. See how important that is? When you are born again of the water of the Spirit, you are no longer dead. Your spirit now. You are alive in Christ. And when you go through that transformation now, you're ready to conceive. Think about that. So Genesis, thank you up there, sister. Genesis 17, I've got... A few verses here, four to be exact. Genesis 17, verse 5 says, but they're not all concurrent. Genesis 17, 5, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Verse 10, it says, this is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy father's Seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised. Verse 15, and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time in the next year. So to bear a son the next year means... She had to conceive that year. That year. Amen. So his what happened. So let's look at what happened. His name was changed. Circumcision started. Her name was changed. She conceives. No, he's 99 in verse 1. Of chapter 17. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. Right. Isaac is born. Abraham's hundred years old. So Genesis 21 5 says this and Abraham was hundred years old, and when and when his son Isaac was born unto him, what a promise. What a promise. Why is that so important? Because blessings now are going to come. It's not a blessing when Ishmael's born. There was no blessings talked about when Ishmael was born. Not when he was conceived nor born. Just a problem. Everybody say just a problem. Look, folks. Anytime your flesh is raining in your life, it's not a blessing. It's just a problem. Look at your look look at your neighbor right now and say, Are you gonna be a problem or a blessing? <laughs> Are you gonna be a problem or a blessing? I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a problem. I wanna be a blessing. Amen. Praise God. So blessings. Ever say blessings? So Abraham grieves over getting rid of him because it is Abraham's son. Now let me just kind of stop. I'm going to take a sidebar here for a moment. That's the problem with us sometimes. That's why we don't turn loose of our flesh because it's grievous. We, don't, we, we like what we have. We can't. We, it's almost like how, how am I going to live without this? I've carried this around for so long. It's did nothing but cause me a problem. But it's my problem. Sometimes we got to get to a place where we say, look, if I want to get anywhere spiritually with God, I have to turn loose. I have to get rid of that which is causing the problem in my life. Amen. That's why, and I'll talk about it here in a second with Ishmael. Not only do Sarah and Hagar represent your spirit, your soul, but Ishmael and Isaac represent the works of the flesh and, if I might say, the fruit of the spirit. Because until your spirit is born again, you can't produce the fruit of the spirit. Notice I said fruit, not fruits. Singular, not plural. You should have them in your life. If you don't know what they are, go read about them and begin to employ them into your lives. Amen. Your, your flesh will rebel with a lot of them. But after a while, you need to make sure they're anchored in your lives. Amen. So, you, you, know, you, can, you, can, you know, this is the thing about it. Even after you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you can produce the works of the flesh before you're saved and after you're saved. Your flesh is your flesh. And it will be with you until you are changed at the moment when the trumpet sounds. It will be a battle. It will be a struggle. So first, your soul is going to combat your spirit. The works of the flesh are going to combat your fruit of the spirit. How many understand that when your flesh rules, it kind of beats your spirit down? When you make that mistake, it kind of darkens your day. What's the use? Why struggle? Why fight? There's no use in doing this anymore. When in reality, something needs to rise up in us that says, I'm going to war with you. I'm going to let the fruit of the Spirit reign in my life, not my flesh. I want, people to let, I want people to know how good the mercies and the grace of God are and not how bad everything is around me. Look at the Spirit and what God's doing in my life. Amen. Bring that flesh under the Spirit of the Lord because when works of the flesh live in the same house as the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have issues. Galatians 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Notice what it says. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, this is the kind of knowledge that we need to feast on because it tells us, Paul tells us time and time again, don't walk in your flesh Walk in your spirit. And he's very upfront with us, telling us of his struggles. He had that thorn in the flesh. Walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth, he said, against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And notice what he said. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that ye would. Verse 18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So leading of the Spirit not only only stops the lust of the flesh from being fulfilled, but it also indicates that you are not under the law. People under the law are full of the works of the flesh. Paul says in Romans 7 and 8, he says this. He says, but sin. Everybody say, but sin. Sin. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me. He's talking about himself. Wrought in me all manner of of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. So, in other words, sin takes opportunity by the law. Notice, sin has no chance if you follow the Spirit. Yes. All right. That's right. Yes. Amen. Amen. Understand that. Amen. So, let's say again, sin has no chance when you follow the Spirit. Amen. Why? Because they are contrary one with the other. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. Amen. So in this, in this chapter, in this very chapter, is where, is where the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh are contrasted. Amen. Once again, let me say knowledge, 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 knowledge. You want to know how to live for God or you, certain struggles you got in your life, read the Word of God, especially when you get in the epistles. And Paul's going to show you. He's going to show you. This is how you defeat it. This is how you overcome it. Amen. Yes, you might face it, but it's what's going... You you, you get into the Word, I'll show you. I'll show you how you can survive. Amen. So the law is associated with the works of the flesh. So when Galatians 4 says the children of the bondwoman are the children of the law, no, no, no wonder we can take the same story and say the children of the bondwoman are the works of the flesh. Galatians 5 says, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit cannot come from the law. And Galatians, the fourth chapter, compares, Paul says, he compares children of Hagar with the children of Sarah. And Galatians 5 compares the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. So, so legalism provided you with a lot of works of the flesh that you now we now have to deal with. Hmm. Let me say it again. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's our flesh sometimes, our attitude, our spirit. Things like that. How we talk to people. Amen. When we should be controlling that flesh, we let that flesh... Speak out. So he says, cast out the bondwoman. But now get the son of the bondwoman out as well. You can't just cast one out, not the other. You have to cast them both out. The offspring. What is that? It's the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. So Galatians 5, let me read 19 to 23. And then for the sake of up top, we're going to go to Genesis 21, verses 8 through 10. Notice what Galatians, Paul writes, now here's the works of the flesh, okay? Works of the flesh. Everybody say, turn to your neighbor and say, the works of the flesh. Verses 19 through 23 of Galatians 5. Now, everybody say that real loud. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. now. It's almost like when, when, you know, you tell your kids to do something and, and they kind of take their time. And you, you kind of raise that voice and say, now. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. I'm reading them slow because I want them to sink in. Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I have told you in, the time, in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God of God. Now here's the contrast. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Of all times, When you spiritually progress, how many can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. When you spiritually progress and you're really getting into the thick of things, your flesh is going to kick up a stink. It does not want to tag along. In fact, it's like a child... That you're trying, you want to go there, the child wants to go there, and you're just kind of having to drag it along. Because the child does not want to go. Your flesh doesn't want to go into spiritual heights. Your flesh does not want to go towards the things of God. It's always going to want to rebel against that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that's the truth. Okay, so remember I had you say the word mock. The word mock, when you look at that word in the Hebrew, the definition means, it's not, it doesn't mean just to laugh. But it means to make sport. Make sport. That's important. Because the same word is used here in 2 Samuel 2 and 14 when it says, And Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and play before us. Now, you know, and Joab said, let them, let them, let them arise. Now, if you would read that right there, you would just say play. So you're, you're, our mindset of play would just say, oh, just let them rise up and play. Have a good time. It's like us saying to the kids, oh, or saying to one another, oh, the kids are playing and have a good time. But notice, notice, notice. 2 Samuel 2, 6, uh, 16. Notice what they say. The word played. Alright? And they caught everyone his fellow by the head and thrust his sword in his fellow's side so they fell down together. Wherefore the place was called Helcathzerim which is in Gibeon. So it's often used, played is often used to speak of fighting or coming to blows. So Ishmael was fighting Isaac and perhaps pushing him around a little bit like the older sibling will do and mocking him. Why? Why? You see, because weaning at that time was was a time when a child no longer drank from his mother. In old times, infants who had disorders or something wrong would not be able to be weaned and generally died before weaning was possible. So clinging to the mother's milk meant a time of risk and chance. And, and one was not sure if the child would even survive. Hear me now. So, so when weaned to eat, thank God. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. How, many, how many was looking forward to that day when you had children that they would, they would be eating something like you eat? So when we need to eat solid food, the child was usually well on the way to growing up, being healthy enough to become a man. And and it was at this time, it was a time of great celebration. A A time of great celebration. So the idea of this child coming to adulthood threatened the other child who was past 13 years of age. So Ishmael, in his mind, says, man. He is going to step on my parade. I've had all the attention for 13 years. Now, here comes this little pipsqueak. Notice it. So, so when, when your fruit of the Spirit really starts to show progress in your life, and you are on your way to spiritual maturity, the immaturity of the works of the flesh rise up and begin to wreak havoc in your life that you got from legalism. Sarah says, Hagar must be separated completely from the home now. Okay? We got a problem. We didn't used to have a problem. Now we have a problem. Everybody say a problem. Problem. Amen. As long as she is not separated, Hagar, from this house, her son, Ishmael, is separated from this house. And as long as as they are not separated from Isaac, the flesh, there's going to be a problem. So the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, so you can't, Paul said it, so you cannot do what you would. You cannot enter inheritance. So there's a problem. Everybody say a problem. Problem. The whole goal, what you want to do more than anything, is to come into your inheritance. We don't have it yet. It's like somebody that's raised in a very wealthy family. It takes time. Notice what he said. Tutoring, mentoring, educating, knowledge. So when Sarah saw Ishmael pushing Come on, moms. Come on, let's just be honest. A little bit honest tonight. When you're in a nursery or you're somewhere, maybe at the schoolyard or wherever you might be, and another kid is pushing on your kid, you know, you don't say, Oh! No. The fangs come out, the horns come out, the nails. Mama bear has arisen. You know, and you're about ready to pop the head off of the shoulders of that little kid that's pushing around on yours. But when Sarah saw it, she heard Ishmael say something that caused her to speak at that moment, to speak of inheritance. Now this is important, folks. You can obtain it or you can lose it. Based on what is in control of your life, your flesh or the spirit. The works of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit. So let's look at it Genesis 21 9 and 10. Oh boy. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham. This was Abraham's son, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. She heard Ishmael talk of inheritance. Probably saying something like this, I'm the firstborn, because that's what it happened back in. The- I'm the firstborn and I'm gonna get the inheritance. I'm gonna get can you imagine how he was talking to, to Isaac? I'm gonna get the inheritance, I'm gonna punch your lights out. If you ever consider it any different than that. Sarah hears about the inheritance, spoke to Abraham, and she said, He's not going to be heir with my son. And what did God do? God told Abraham, Abraham was grievous. He was struggling with it. But God said, Abraham, Amen. He's not going to be heir with your son. God, in other words, God told him, said, Listen to you, listen to Sarah. Listen to her. Listen to our spirit. Your spirit cries out that it wants to produce strong, healthy fruit of the spirit and enter into the promised land, inheritance of shine forth to the world. You want that to happen. The nature of God to everybody. You want them to see God in you. And God in you is what? The hope of glory. Praise God. Amen. So your spirit cries out. It says the works of the flesh are destroying that chance. You know, the work, the work of the flesh will destroy any spiritual growth that you could obtain in your life when you let it rule you and you let it control you. Amen. I don't like it when my flesh is the one that's kind of leading the way. Your flesh will always lead you into trouble. Your spirit will always keep, the spirit of God will always keep you from trouble. Amen. So it says the works of the flesh are destroying that chance and the soul is overpowering, uh, you know, uh, to her. And So it's not going to happen. Right? How many, how many believes your soul is emotional? I'm not going to get done with this tonight. There's no way. Amen. So maybe I just better hold this off here a little bit because I'm, I've got so much more to get to. But think about it this way. Think about it. As we close, think about this. Your flesh, your spirit. Think about the works of flesh, the fruit of the spirit. What do you want to portray? Do you want the inheritance? You are an heir. Do you want that inheritance? You have to go through the process of knowledge, learning, progressing knowing that your flesh is going to fight you every step of the way. So you have to bring that flesh under subjection to the Spirit if you want to be successful. Let me put it this way. If we want to hear the trump of God sound, then we have to put ourselves in that place to be submitted to the Spirit of God and... Take that flesh and put it under the Spirit. Right? Praise God. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. There's nobody like the Lord. Such a sweet uh, presence of God is in this place tonight. Amen. And, And I promise you tonight, if you will just take a little bit of this. Maybe, maybe the scriptures you might have wrote down, whatever. If you'll just take a little bit of that, just go back through it and realize it is as simple as it sounds. Amen. When you read it, but it's harder when you try to fulfill it because of the struggle with your flesh. Hey Amen. It's your flesh that's going to battle you. But greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Praise God. Do you believe that tonight? Praise God. Let's clap our hands and praise him one more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. So understand this tonight. God wants you to have it all. But Ishmael can't cohabitate with Isaac because it puts the inheritance in jeopardy. So your flesh cannot cohabitate with the Spirit. It's got to be brought under subjection or it will jeopardize your blessings here as well as the inheritance that God has for you one day. You believe that? In closing, let's raise our hands and just say God, I want to receive your word with gladness. Lord God, we thank you. Amen for your word. Once again, as the psalmist said, it's a lamp unto our feet. It lights our pathway. It it, it gives us hope. And I pray, God, tonight that we would learn that the Word wants to mentor us. The Word is knowledge. The Word, amen, if we allow it to get in our spirit, if we allow it to get in our mind, amen. It, that's the very thing that that helps us and protects us along the way, amen, as we fight the battles in this world. But, God, let us realize Amen, that the works of the flesh is always, always, always going to direct us in the wrong path and down the wrong way. But it's following the fruit of the Spirit, following your word. Amen, and what you have set out before us, God, that's the important thing in this day and time. So, God, I pray right now, Lord, as we leave this place, amen, I pray that we will have received something in our spirit that will help us along the way. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And one more time, can we clap our hands and praise him? Lord, you're worthy. We're worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. So we're excited. God's going to do great things.